I heard that somebody say something once. Tell me, tell me if you've heard this. If you talk to God, you're religious. If God talks to you, you're criminally insane. <laughs> uh, have you heard that? I have heard it. Yeah. So we'll talk about that with Jay a little bit later. But I want to talk about a moment where it wasn't the, I don't, you didn't say it was the first time you remember hearing from God, but it definitely was a moment when you heard from God. And that was in March of, was it, was it your sophomore 1976. year? Sophomore year of high school? Freshman year oh, of college. Freshman year of college. Okay, so it was second semester, freshman year of college. Tell us the story. You're you're invited to join. You're, you're, out, of, you're out of school. You're at college. You're at, um, yeah. what's the name of the college? Austin College. Austin College. Sherman, there. Texas. Yep, Sherman, Texas. You're on the football team. You're kind of a big shot. No. No, yeah, yeah, you no, are. No, sure I'm not even kind of. You're, you're, no. you're a huge deal on campus. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I assure you of that. Uh, I, am an, I am nobody. But you're finding your footing socially, and you were invited to join a fraternity. Was, yeah. And what was the name? Do you remember the name? Phi Sig. Oh, yeah, okay. Phi Sigma, some Phi Sig. Okay. And I was not only on, but I went into this fraternity deal with a with this this great ambition to kind of change the change the fraternity and make it a little bit more christian based and okay so a, you're a follower of jesus at this point. i am i've okay. been a christian for a year year and a half about 18 months so this is kind of the white hot enthusiasm zone right you are yeah i i don't know that i never was really a zealot um but i was very serious sure from day one and I, you were thinking hey this will be great uh we'll make that we'll i, I can transform the culture of this fraternity I, I didn't. I didn't think I would like eliminate alcohol at the, all of the events, <laughs> but I thought I thought I would at least in, be able to inject prayer in some of the some of the meetings and had the agreement of some of the other guys who were pledging with me, and was a, you know, and so I thought maybe we can do this. So the pledge class is like you said, twelve guys, twelve guys, and a couple of them were followers of Jesus with you. A couple are right? followers. Several are on the football team. And so you're like, this is great. These I'm elected pledge captain. Oh. I'm supposed to, you know, I'm having these special meetings, you know, set leading up to what it's oh. going to look like to pledge. And so you're the captain of the pledge class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're very excited about this. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm all in. And your friends are there. Your not only your football colleagues, but now. You're going through this pledge class with these guys, and then what? And what? I'm also I'm 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 a very insecure guy that longs to be uh, embraced by a group of people. Well, you know, sure. I, you know, I want to be a part. Well, who doesn't? Um, You're a college freshman, but I, but I came out of a you know no home life. Yeah, sure, right. No father, and so I was really leaning into uh, some of that. But it became really. Really? By the way, let's just pause there for a second. The idea of fraternities as filling the whole of male community is like a huge thing. It's a real thing. It's it, it's been there's been studies done on it. It's like it's a real thing. The longing to be a part of a thing, to do a thing. Yeah, and I certainly wanted that. I went up to a school that I didn't go with anybody. I didn't know a single person when I went. Right. I don't have any my I don't have any of this modeled in my family. No one in my family has ever gone to college. Right. Um so to begin to embrace Embrace that um, is is kind of a big deal. So yeah, so I'm full on in this. Okay, then something started happening. Yeah, and then God started talking to you. The, yeah, my expectations of what it meant to be um, grafted into this fraternity and their expectations of what it meant for pledges to uh, do some things. It was it became really clear very quickly. They were asking me to do things that violated my my convictions about Christianity. 
Your conscience, would you say? Yes, oh, absolutely. Okay, and without getting specific, can you give us some vagaries about the kinds of things they were asking um, you to like do? A, Was public nudity and diving into bodies of water part of it? Um, <laughs> there were gross and oh. and and crazy fun. You know, it was all in the... Nobody was being malicious, um, but but it was hazing and, and sure. those kinds of things at a pretty high level. And then the th- kinds of things they were asking us to memorize and to recite were just vulgar. Vulgar limericks and such? And, you're, and that's coming from a guy who was pretty vulgar already. So it was at a new level. Did you feel as though, though that God was actually saying, Steve, you can't do this? Yes. Like deep, like how did, how did that come about? So when somebody says, how did God talk to you? Was it like, how, how would you describe it back then? Yeah, I think that actually, it, when we, whenever we say God spoke to me, we, it gets weird for us. Yeah. But it's more like this strong, imp- I think everybody's experienced it. Um, it's a strong impression of insight or direction that you feel like you get from inside you. Um, but it's not you. It's not me. It's so the, it's from inside you, but it's not and you. And you can sometimes tell exactly that it's not from you. Right. I mean, there's there are times when I've, here's the deal, and I know that this sounds weird, and those people are listening, there's folks listening that are just going to say, man, Clifford is an idiot or a wild, crazy man, but I hear voices. I I believe the Spirit of God guides me. Right. Now it's it's rare. I mean, it's not an everyday occurrence kind of a thing. But I believe there are times when um, <coughs> these kinds of things happen. And so um, I had this sense that what this was wrong, and 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 it didn't take long for it to become really affirmed. I mean, it was it was clear. So how did you get that affirmed? Like oh, it, it, stuff began to bother me more and more. I felt like I would have to go out of these meetings and then go and confess all of the things that I did. I'm now doing things I know to be wrong, but I'm doing them to fit into this group. And so it's it's not good. Hmm. It's not good. And I, I feel like, you know, I went and talked to some guys who were already in the fraternity and I just said, I'm listen, I can't do these things. And they said, well, you can't be a pledge for our fraternity if you don't go through this. And I'm, I'm like, okay, but I understand that. And you've got your traditions and I've got my convictions and they are cross-purposed. So you had the hard conversation. Did you get counsel from anybody else? Was there other, or there older Christians? Cause I know you're alone on campus, but did you ever call I'm alone up? on campus, but I'm serving in, an, in a ministry called Young Life. Oh, okay. And I've got guys that are discipling me. Were you talking to Young those Life, guys and too? And I'm talking to them And did they kind too. of affirm that? They tried, they were careful because a lot of them had gone through the fraternity process, and sure. so that you know they were they knew some of what I spoke of, and um, but then they also were quick to uh, to affirm that I, I I need to listen to my convictions, right? And to have a conviction and to be certain that something's wrong and I shouldn't do it and still do it damages your soul, right? And so it, I was faced with a big, it was a, it was a, it does sound stupid now. It's almost just a silly thing. But at the time, oh, that's was, social suicide. It was a gigantic no, yeah. moment. 100%. The, one of the first times where I was really asked to make a, a public stand 
where I was ridiculed for my faith. I, I felt like it was it was one of those things, and it set me up. God God used it. It gave me strength for some coming decisions that were really important. But I mean, there's social ostracization. There's alienation from your friends. How yeah, did and pl- I, f- I felt like I let some guys down. I sure. mean, we really went into this together, and then I kind of bailed on them. I'm sure that they treated you differently uh, afterwards. They, they, some, some, yeah, some did. So that, um, but again, and that's, and I love this because. It was a voice that came from within inside you, but it was distinctly other. You would never have chosen that on no, your own, right? No, the, and yeah. the voice of God is both within us and it is distinctly other. Yeah. And it's calling you to the and sacrifice. And so, you know, you would say, well, how do you know it's the voice of God? Well, when it's asking me to do something that is centered on the on the, the well-being of other people and not the advancement of myself, then I can almost always guarantee you that that's the voice of God and not my own self-promotion that's yeah. going on in between my ears. But there was also a sense of you wanted to honor God. And so God's the center of this. You didn't you didn't want to dis- dishonor God with what you were doing with your words and your life and your actions. Yeah, I, I didn't know much about the faith. I mean, I'm still a brand new believer, but I knew... I knew that some of the things that we were engaging in were wrong. Well, we're going to be delving into that. We're going to be talking about what it means to listen to God this week. We've got Jake Kim joining us in just a second. I don't think he's got a fraternity story, but we're going to dive into what that means. (laughs) You never know. And so uh, let's, uh, let's just dive right in. So, Jay, we were talking about a time when Steve kind of first remembers, not one of the first times he remembers, like, strongly hearing from God, mm-hmm. God asking him to do something. Um, and it was around a fraternity he couldn't join. Yeah. Was there, do you, ha- do you have a, a recollection of a time, like, maybe not the first time, but an early time when you felt like God was talking to you? Um. Yeah, the earliest is probably in high school. And I don't know that I was like really passionately following Jesus or anything. But yeah, I, I have a very vivid memory of my my senior year of high school. Uh, I was dating a girl and then she broke up with me. <laughs> oh man, I'm so, so sorry. But I was like all broken up about it. Of course. Was and, there a uh, song you listened to to help you get no, over I, it? No, I read Isaiah, which is so random. Did you really? Yeah, I came home and You're I, like, I did not read the Bible that much back then. You're thinking, I mean, I never read the Bible back then. You thought, then. I'll read the book of Isaiah that will help with my broken heart. Yeah, I don't know why I got there, but I read the whole book of Isaiah. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? It's very weird. But I remember getting to uh, the later chapters and having a very visceral experience of God's presence. Without knowing the context of why he was writing what he was writing, I was just like, oh my gosh, a, you know, a light will dawn. There's a line, a light will dawn on you. Uh, and I remember that line just like being like, oh my yeah. gosh, it's not hopeless. And that's you know, that's a good point is that we, we lots of times will think that when we talk about God speaking to us, it's, all, it's some kind of an audible voice that you hear and those kinds of things. But many, many times mm-hmm. it is a phrase. Yeah that comes alive in the scriptures, right? It's something you've read many, many times. That's it's, most common for me. And it's not It's not even, yeah, most common for me is scriptures too, but it's not only that. It, there are times, oh gosh, um, this is a crazy one. Okay, so uh, Led Zeppelin 
One of the great rock tunes of all time. <laughs> one of the great rock songs of all time is Stairway to Heaven. Okay? Sure. So Stairway to Heaven, at the end of the song, when the song is really kind of done, the singer in the background says, to be a rock and not roll. And I'm t- this is the weirdest thing. This is a background lyric? It's kind of a background yeah. lyric. To be a rock and not roll. If you listen to Stairway to Heaven at the very end of the song, you'll hear it. And that phrase, God kind of inspired for me. That he just kind of plucked it out of the thing when I was wow. listening. So you're saying that God speaks through Holy Scripture in Led Zeppelin. And well, <laughs> I'm just saying that God speaks however he wants. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, well, let's go. get in. Let That's me cool. ask you a question. Yeah, let me ask you a question to this. Uh, both of you, um, uh, Jay, I kind of introduced Steve to a, a, a saying I heard once. They say, if you, if you talk to God that makes you religious... If God talks to you, that makes you a certifiable <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. can you t- talk a little bit about, because we are talking about this idea in scripture that the, the Christian life and the Christian faith say that God wants to communicate with humans. I yeah. mean, that's what, that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. That's what we're saying. So that seems crazy to some people. So maybe just talk a little bit about the elephant in the room, which is it, I guess it kind of is a little bit crazy that God wants to talk to humans. Um, I mean, through, a uh, modern postmodern natural, naturalistic lens, it seems crazy, but for most of human history, people did not think that was crazy that thought, they thought that was the norm because they had, they lived in, you know, you, you know, this Charles Taylor's words, an enchanted world. We're disenchanted now. We, we think we've explained everything away through science and enchanted means it's like charged with the supernatural that the supernatural is here and yeah now. what's really yeah. interesting is that phrase the supernatural only exists in a naturalistic world sure so in a in a pre-modern world mm. there's there was no oh this is supernatural it's like the whole thing was just charged with the stuff of god whether it was yahweh or just or you know one of the other thousands yeah of gods yeah yeah i mean that was the assumed paradigm um and you know it's the c.s lewis quote uh the chronological snobbery we're chronological snobs we yeah. we, we think that you know the scientific revolution answered away all of those questions when really i think the scientific revolution is just seeing the angles of the diamond differently you know and it's shining differently to us but the the whole thing is uh it's it's still a world of you know we we did a series called the unseen realm a year and a half two years ago or something you know we live in a world of god and gods you know that we live in a a supernatural world where where there are things that we don't see and it's not that it's not that far fetched if some of the other passages of scripture that makes claims about god's concern and care over us are actually true that yeah. God would know the number of hairs on our heads and he would know the words that we utter before they come out of our mouth. I mean, that he would be aware of not only the things that we do, but the things that we could have done and all of the choices in between. I mean, we limit our experience with God because we only relational network we know is with other finite beings, but God is infinite. And, yeah. and if, if, 
he's supernaturally created. We, we believe he created everything we see and enjoy. And that he would want to speak with those who he created is not that weird of a thought. Yeah. Right. I think about the psalmist who says, oh, day and night, the heavens and earth pour forth speech about God. So even the, the God's creation is testifying and, and trying to communicate something about God, uh, about who he is. Yeah. God's a communicating yeah. God. So it does. it's not... Um, it's not an. It's just an uncommon thought, I think. Like you said, in a natural, naturalistic, post-Christian sure. world. Um, let me ask you another question. Um, one of the things you said in your sermon, uh, both of you talked about this, uh, that life is loud in the Bay Area. Life is loud in our modern mm-hmm. world, and I love what you said, Jay. You said that you that we've become conditioned to believe that the most important thing we can do, the thing we must do, is to be heard. Right. And so that actually skews our, uh, is it attention or our direction, maybe? is How would you? And so instead of trying to listen to God, we actually think that the only way that we can actually achieve anything or be anybody is actually to be heard. And with social media and with platforms and with even the word platform, right? Yeah. People say, do you have a, how many followers do you have? Right. Like in, implying you're talking to them, right? So yeah. talk a little bit about how that distorts I, even maybe Christians from, from thinking about what it means to be a follower. Yeah, I mean, I think especially for Christians in some ways. I think when I think about a life of conversation with God, it's usually me going to God and talking a lot and then being done when, I, when I'm done talking. Mm-hmm. Because it is a little awkward to, you know, I mean, like you said in the first question, you do feel a little bit like a crazy person if you're unfamiliar with a conversational life with God. It feels a little weird to sit there and, okay, Lord, speak, you know? And really, ultimately, physically, you're just kind of sitting there, you know? (laughs) Uh, Which is why, to me, again, the scriptures are so helpful. Um, but also just, yeah, like you said, that passage, you know, um, allowing all of life to speak to you and discerning what God might be saying with humility, you know, like the, one of the things I've learned from Steve is, uh, is, you know, certainty is a dangerous thing. (laughs) I think our culture here at Westgate is to speak of things very humbly it's, it's very rare, maybe never, that you'll hear any of us say at Westgate, this is what God is saying, and we know this Thus for sure. <laughs> you <Lord>. know, like, <laughs> we're always yeah. like, we think. Yeah. We're praying hard, and we're guessing. God may be saying this. Sure. Let's discover together, you know? But I think we have to get comfortable with that. Um, otherwise, we find ourselves in a, not a dialogue with God, but a monologue where we go to him and, Blah, 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 blah. And none of that's bad. God wants to hear from us. Uh, but we don't really give him much of a chance to speak back because it's very awkward yeah. to try to hear a God that you cannot see or audibly it, hear most of the yeah, time. Yeah, in a conversation, even right now, if if I'm engaged in response to what is said mentally, then it, it automatically shuts down my capacity to listen. Mm. And I think that's the posture I want to try to have is that I may be expressing request, but I'm not trying to think of everything I can so that I, I'm trying to um, be involved in a discussion like here. When you're speaking, 
I'm trying to not figure out what to say next after yeah. you get done, but to actually listen to what you're saying and what it might mean for me. Yeah. Um, and that kind of active participation in conversations is what makes conversations meaningful. Yeah. If someone's just there, just to, has to be heard, and so much of our culture is that way, then there's really no conversations really going on. We're just taking turns saying what we had already predetermined <laughs> to say. Right. Our scripts, yeah. 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 Now, going back to what you said, uh, you said, we think that this is what God might be saying. Let's say that there's a, well, I've been around. There's been decisions that that the church has made, that you and the elder board have made, and and you're fairly confident that this is, everyone in that room is agreed that this is the right direction. They've prayed about it. They've taken time. So is that not at least pretty close to being certain that God's speaking? I mean, if 12 people in the room, is, is it... Or is it just the saying that, look, we're trying to be humble here, also knowing that if God changes our direction, we'll do it. Like, we're servants of him. Like, where? how would you How would you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I just don't think certainty is the word I would use. I don't think it's the scale I would use. How certain are we is not really the scale. <laughs> but some of it's semantics, right? Okay. Um, to a certain extent, because what I'm not saying is, for example, our elders get together, we fast, we pray about a particular thing or a decision, and we don't feel any level of confidence, but we're like, I don't know, feels like, let's just do that. And <laughs> it's not that either. It's yeah. Not, I mean, there's, there's Shambo, you just try to, it's not that. Yeah. Do. It's not random for sure. It's, uh, it's definite, but it is collective, you know, it's, it's, um, I think God speaks to us, uh, collectively more often than not than individually. Um, it's not to say God doesn't speak to us in our individual lives. He absolutely does that. You're just asking the question about decisions for our church community Right. in, in that, in that way, I think he speaks to our leadership collectively. So, and it's set up that way. Yeah. That's it's, why it's there's, big, yeah. And yeah. God has set it up that some way. accountability. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I, sure. I think that, um, one of the warnings that I've always tried to heed and is that what you get privately from the Lord, you apply privately personally Mm. in other words if i have this if i feel like i heard from god um don't play golf okay okay which please don't please don't (laughs) lord but let's just say i stop playing golf i hear that from the lord and then i stand up from the pulpit and say Thus saith the Lord, no one plays golf if you want to be a part of this. And you take what <laughs> you take what you get privately and you apply it publicly. Mm. And you make it law. Yeah. When it was just a word for me. Yeah. So what I try to do is what I get privately, I apply personally. And then and then I don't now do I move uh, I move ahead with certainty that this is for me. Yeah. <laughs> And God's great at redirecting me if I've ch- if I didn't hear correctly. He's, yeah. he's just really faithful and kind in that way. Uh, so I don't I don't worry so much about taking the right path and the wrong path as long as my heart is really in a, a position of surrender. Because mm-hmm. um, I know He's going to gently guide me to what it might be. Right. Um, if I've missed it, that's really good. Yeah, I, I think for me a way to think about it is rather than seeking certainty, I'm seeking confidence, confidence that 
this is an act of faithfulness. Mm. Um, and I do think that's also to Steve's point, that is also the metric. It's not accuracy that we're after it's faithfulness. And again, it's semantics, but I think this is a part of what it's important semantics. Yeah, it's important. This is a part of what Steve is saying. If we are being prayerful and humble and open to what God seems to be asking us to do or the decision he's asking us to make, then will we, even if it costs us, even if it's hard, even if it hurts, will we be faithful to that? Mm. Am I confident that Mm. this is what God is asking us to do? I am confident for me personally or for us collectively as a church. Okay. If we're confident of that, then let's be faithful to what God's asking us to do. And if we can do that, then yeah, it's exactly, Steve's exactly right. And, and I learned it from him. It's the culture of our church because he led us this way for 20 years. We don't really fear making a mistake because God in his grace will course correct us as long as we're being faithful. One of the things we said in the teaching is that when God speaks, we have two choices. We can hear what God has said and do nothing. And that is the path to hearing less and less of God. Mm-hmm. Or when God speaks, we can, th- these are the words of scripture, listen and obey. Like over and over, that phraseology shows up in scripture. Mm-hmm. We can listen and obey. When we do that, God's voice becomes clearer and clearer. So yes. I, I'm very confident in that. So that if if I've listened, and maybe I've misinterpreted, maybe I misheard God. Well, he's gracious. That's okay. Absolutely. I'm trying to obey then his voice will become clearer. Hey, hey, you misheard me. I didn't want you to turn left. I wanted you to turn right, but it's all right. You're trying. So whatever fallout or consequences there are from your human mistake of turning left, I've got you because you're being faithful. You know, yeah. you're trying and his voice becomes clearer that way. I've seen that in my own personal life and here in the, in the church many times. Yes. So th- the key part of listening then after that is, is, do obey. Yeah. Because those words are tied together. Yeah. Almost always. Yeah. I even think it even begins before that. I think if God, if God like is heart, already like aware heart, like of your heart, heart condition uh, yeah. and you're begging for information or for a word of wisdom or, you know, help, and he knows you ain't going to do it anyway, mm. he's going to be, a, he's not going to address that directional request. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to direct his attention to the heart response that he already knows we're going to have. Uh. And so a lot of times I think um, we've, we're, we're going to ask God about something, but the truth is in my, let me just say it this way. I shouldn't, I don't want to throw anybody else under this. But in my mind, I've already made up my mind what I want to do. I'm praying about it so I can sanctify it, right? <laughs> I can, God I can, my I can wrap it yeah. in this churchese language because yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And then I ask God to bless my screw ups. Yeah. And, and yep. so we, it's not a, it's, if we're just thoughtful, it's not that hard to figure out why it's difficult to hear the voice of God yeah. because I'm broken and I want what I want and I want it now. Yeah. And, and so 
God will not allow us to, to, to force him into being a genie in a bottle that we just go to and rub on it really hard and talk, yeah. you know, and use church language and stuff. And, and then God's going to pop out and say, let me grant you three wishes. That's, that's just not the way it works. Mm. Yeah. One of the things you said in uh, the message, if we want to hear the voice of God, we must first learn to value the voice of God. And yeah. listening life begins with a genuine desire and longing for the voice of God and not just to ratify what I want, mm -hmm. but for actual direction, which yeah. means sometimes course correction or in the instances that some of you guys have already talked about, sometimes what God calls us to is difficult things. Yeah. Things that we, um, uh, Steve and I were talking earlier about how the voice of God is is within. We hear it from within, but it is an other voice. It is a voice outside of us. Yeah. It's wholly other. It's not me and not my desires. Yeah. It's often calling me to a difficult thing or die or get rid yeah. of that thing or take a difficult, brave step or show him or put him first or trust. It's it, often that's the way that that, 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 that works. Is that? Yeah. I, I had a pastoral counseling meeting several years ago. It wasn't here at Westgate. It was when I was on staff at a previous church and this wonderful couple that I had known for a couple of years. I mean, they were like godly love Jesus, mm. very involved in the life of our church. Incredible family. They walk in and they're broken. They're a mess. I didn't know what was going on. Long story short, the husband, the wife had asked if the three of us could meet husband didn't really want to meet, which I was surprised because he was a friend and godly man. Long story short, I discover that for almost a year, their marriage had been deteriorating, but the reason for it was because the husband was very vocally and verbally, emotionally, in every other sense, distancing himself from his wife. And he was saying that he sensed God was telling him that um, he had a new life for him that it was a sort of calling into uh, the wilderness of sorts. They had young kids too. So basically he'd been telling his wife for almost a year, I don't want to do this, but I need to leave you. And I need to leave our family and pursue. Long story short, came to discover there was another woman. Oh, yeah, sure. What was so shocking to me is this this guy like knows the Bible <laughs> had wow. been gro grown up in church. I mean, like what all that stuff and and um, what he was seeking to do is very clearly sin. Like he's trying to break mm -hmm. the covenant commitment he made to his wife. Yeah. But he was bathing his sin in the language of spirituality. Yeah. He was sanctifying. He was attempting to sanctify sin. Wow. And it's to your point. He was listening to his own, the voice of the flesh, which basically is like, I'd like to have sex with another woman. Right. He wouldn't say it that way, but just whatever. Like you want to sleep with another yeah. woman. Okay, like that's essentially what's happening. I'm sure there's it's more complex than that. There's emotional ties, all of that. But if I can whittle it down, one slice of the pie is you want to sleep with another woman. Well, guess what, buddy? Like if I lived in the flesh, I'd like to sleep with other women, too. If it was just the flesh. Right. But he was so smart. Even as he was talking, I was like, oh, 
Uh, is the Lord saying that? Maybe that verse oh, means oh that. Oh my gosh, you're like so eloquent, and, you know? <laughs> and then what was so helpful to me, Peter Gregg, the founder of uh, 24-7 Prayer, he wrote a book called How to Hear God mm. a couple of years ago. It's a fantastic book because the whole book is about the Bible. Oh. And he basically makes the point, God's voice will never, ever, it will never, ever contradict his voice that has already spoken. Yeah. If if it does, you know with certain this is where certainty applies. That, you know with certainty it is not that's God's not voice. that's where You've that's where you can be certain. Yeah. Yeah, it is very likely the voice of your flesh or culture or whatever. Yeah. So for, for me or the enemy or the enemy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I think that's a key point we cannot lose. As we listen for God's voice, he will never contradict himself. He's already spoken yeah, through right. Jesus, his yeah. son, the word, and the entirety of scripture, you know, which is where community matters so much and all, all of those And I would say it, it, the scripture becomes the primary way I hear of him. I'm, 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 moved, I'm moved with song yeah. and I'm moved by thoughts, wonderful words that have been crafted and put into into paragraphs and sentences. Led Zeppelin. And I moved to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, um, I, I know that that's all true, but the most consistent source and the source, when I hear to be a rock and not roll, I'm talking about, for in that particular ins- instance, it motivated me to be a better husband. Yeah. To be a rock for her. Yeah. And not roll. Yes. And it just, I, and it's, it's this creative little play on words in the middle right. of a rock and roll song. So it was a call so, so, to, to be devoted, just like your dad had left the family, had rolled away. Yeah. You but were going to be different. I'm, but I'm constantly measuring it against the truth of scripture. Right. Because right. not that, the truth I, of I got it in Jimmy writing Plan. there. I mean, it, I've it got affirms, it right there. It affirms right. what Steve is hearing. So what, I, I want to be a better husband. Yeah. The scriptures affirm. So yeah. talk a little bit, last thing, uh, about the way that God's voice ping pongs around scripture because it does seem like God uses scripture. Uh, for, for example, uh, my, one of my last semesters in seminary, I, I had to read the book of Ezekiel like 11 times just for this class. And it seems like that entire summer, God spoke to me using metaphors from Ezekiel, hmm. like that almost the entire time, everything that I had to do in my life seemed to revolve around because i was in ezekiel all the time it was mm. like god was using the language of ezekiel for like dumb little stuff here and there and this well you know like this and it would god would highlight it, it would like be super highlighted in my mind i'd be like man that's it. i gotta be better like that you, you know what i'm saying yeah so had talk to me about the way that god speaks and the the way that scripture works in the life of the believer too hmm I think that God is um, a really good father. I mean, a a loving, wise parent. And he wants um, to, um, to develop in me a Christ-likeness that will help the rest of the world see Jesus more clearly. Mm. Now, given that, he would then give me insight and coaching along the way in ways that will get my attention Mm. 
and he's super effective at it. So, you know, I just, I just put myself in that context. How does a father, sometimes a father models things. Sometimes a father speaks. Sometimes a father withholds information so that self-discovery can happen. Sometimes a father um, lovingly encourages. Sometimes a lover, a, a, a father will, you know, harshly rebuke. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 so in my context around my conversations is, and this is weird because I don't have a father model. It's just grace that's been input in my life. My my context around conversations is always, I'm talking to a good father. Mm. Yeah. And and so I don't even know if that <coughs> helps answer what you were talking about, but th- that's and then he's he uses sometimes he uses the clarity of the scriptures, sometimes he uses the vagueness of a rock and roll song, um, and he can tie those things together in ways that help me grow, help yeah. me yeah. be who I was intended to be. The final thing you guys both mentioned was that this isn't just going to happen in a noisy world; uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, listening to God, it's something we have to prioritize. Mm. It's something that has to be a value that we have to have. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, any, not, to, I hate to say this, tips or tricks. That sounds like <laughs> a shortcut. But any best practices that you guys want to just encourage people who are, they feel like I need to be a person who's about this. Mm. Do you have any any pastoral help that you, you something that you do that helps or some, some, some word? Mm. Well, I mean, I, you know, at the risk of being uh, repetitive or redundant, this is your question is one of the reasons why we're inviting the whole church to practice the daily examine. Um, so that would be one thing. Just practice the daily examine with us. If you haven't been here on the last couple of Sundays, uh, if you go to our w- website, there's a QR code and um, we made these phone backgrounds. It was intentional. Yeah, Steve's got it right there on his I've got phone. it right yeah, here. I need it, it. Yeah. too. And uh, it's cool because there's different ones. So Steve and I have different ones. Yeah. yeah. So we did this intentionally for a couple of reasons. One, I think the smartphone for 99% of our population, this is the most destructive attention hijacking device in human history. So we wanted to subvert the most destructive attention <laughs> hijacking device in human history. The reason Jesse Barnes, our incredible graphic designer, made like a dozen different graphics and she's going to continue to make more over the coming year is because we want people to swap it out. Because, you know, after a while, I'll stare at this beautiful image of clouds and then it'll just be my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to try to like, hey, when it becomes redundant, get a new image. So your phone looks different, grabs your attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing I would say. Practice the daily examine. I haven't said this on Sundays and I need to for some we did. We're doing the daily exam because it's super accessible. You can do it in a three minute drive to your gym or whatever, or, you know, like you could do it so quick. Like I do it with Jenny and I do it with our kids and it's like five to seven minutes. But I also don't want folks who normally spend more time with the Lord to like whittle their time down. Like you can expand this, you know, right. and it's not legalistic either. Some people have other rhythms and maybe you don't need the daily exam and that's okay. Like keep doing the thing you're doing. So that's the first thing I would say, big picture, what we need to do. It begins, I think with our calendars and with the discipline of saying, I will prioritize this and being almost militant about it. You know, what time of day, where, 
like for for my family we sit in the same place in our home every day to practice the examine together wow that's great and it's like a wrestling match with my son he's not used to sitting there for five to seven minutes in quiet trying to you know he's laughing and but every day i'm trying to like hold him and hug him and show him physical affection and just remind him no 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 like we're trying to we're trying to just calm down and take deep breaths together but he's also five so so i want it to be fun for him sure you know so when we give thanks i let him be wild and really give thanks to god for the goldfish he shared with his buddy dax at school that day that was his thank you yesterday last night you know, so adapt it to your life, but um, find the time. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Steve and I both, you too, Dave, I, I think all three of us would agree. God speaks through his word, who is Jesus, whose story is told from page one to the last page of the scriptures. If you want to hear God speak to you consistently, spend time in the scriptures. Listen to it if you're an auditory learner. You know, get the Bible app, listen to it on your, everyone can do this. Like pause from the NPR podcast and listen to the Bible on your drive to work or, or read it, you know, in the morning with your cup of coffee or listen to it when you're running on the treadmill at the gym, whatever, but a lot time for the word of God to speak to you. Yeah. So those would, those would be my recommendations. Yeah. yeah. I would just say you're as godly as you want to be. Hmm. Is this a priority for you? And if it is, then it re it's reflected in your calendar. Yeah. And if it's, if you say, I think if you say, well, I'm just too busy to carve out that time. I, I just, I, I just think, I, I don't mean to come down on you or anything, but I just think, okay, but I mean, is it, if it's important, you'll find time for it. You still have time to go to the gym, you know? Drive to work, and I'm not. Yeah, yeah you know, you still yeah. get. Yeah. You're. I just think it's not a God who's up there being stingy with grace. Mm. I mean, it, it, the abundance of it is amazing, and He wants to pour tons of it in our lives. And we have to build the conduits of spiritual practices that allow that grace to flow. Yeah, and and listening to Him and talking with Him is foundational to it. Yeah. I mean, if if you're if you're just saying, well, I just don't need that part. Well, that separates you from the rest of humanity. I mean, you're, you, you're the, you're the outlier, um, in the spiritual realm and, and good on you. Yeah. But, uh, I doubt that's true. Um, so without any condemnation at all or any judgment, cause I've been up and down in this whole thing, yeah. um, myself and I'm paid to be good. <laughs> uh, but, um, I've been up and down myself. I would just, I would just plead with you if, if it's important. If it's important, and if you're listening to this, it probably is, yeah. then just make some time for it. Don't don't think you got to do what Jay or I do or mm -hmm. what Dad does. Just you know, five minutes, five minutes of just saying, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'd like to like for you to be a part of the conversation during the day. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for loving me. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that. And again, if you need those daily examine resources, they're available on our teaching page. You can download yeah. all the wallpapers that Jay talked about. And we're going to continue next week. We're going to talk about talking to God. Yeah. So that's the second part of this conversation. Listen, yeah. listen, listen. And we'll talk about that. So thanks for being here, guys. You're welcome. And we'll see you next week. Thank yeah. you. Just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford and Jay Kim for stopping by. Join us next week when we're going to be continuing on in our with 
God sermon series. We're going to be talking about what it means to talk to God. This is the second part of the conversation, listening to God first, and then also talking to God, sharing to God. So we're going to be diving into that one. So join us next week for that, and we'll see you then.